We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. I got second four. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We gonna line up. We gonna play. Tighten up, baby. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast. We are presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm your host, Justin Graver, and joining me, as always, is Justin Mello. It's the Titans bye week. We are here to recap their disastrous loss to the New England Patriots, where things just went off the rails. We got a little bit of news to touch on, and we're going to try to answer the question today. What is wrong with the Titans after they were everybody's top team, at least in the AFC, just a couple of weeks ago? They lose to Tech, the Houston Texans, they lose to New England Patriots, and here we are now. Titans no longer hold the one seed. Mr. Justin Mello, what's up, my friend? I'm doing well. I mean, uh, the Titans are on a bye week, but we are not. We are recording, as usual, your regular scheduled programming. This is Tuesday evening. You'll hear this episode on Wednesday, hopefully, because you're not going to wait longer than that to tune into this week's episode of the Music City Audible. But I'm, I don't want to say that I'm excited to recap this latest loss because excited is probably not the right word, but I am looking forward to dissecting it with you, talking about what went wrong, and then looking at some, uh, some, some bigger image stuff as, as we move forward. Absolutely. Let's get into it, starting with some news. Kevin Byard, all Promer All-Pro safety, one of the best players on the Titans defense, has been placed on the reserve COVID list. Byard is vaccinated, which would indicate that he has COVID. So hopefully he can recover and be back in time for the Week 14 game against Jacksonville. But I don't know if there's anything else to say here. This sucks. It's a add it to the list of things that have gone wrong for the Titans this season. But hopefully this thing won't actually impact them on the field. Correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, you kind of said it. Best wishes to Kevin Byard. We hope he recovers ASAP. Uh, we, we, you know, he is vaccinated. We do recall him confirming that back in the off season uh, in an interview with, I believe it was uh, the Titans' Jim Wyatt himself. So Byard is vaccinated. Uh, hopefully, he can get through this thing quickly and be on the field for Week 14 against Jacksonville. Right, and hopefully it doesn't have any lingering effects because obviously Byard's having a great season, five interceptions on the year, so. Hopefully, he will be back in no time at all. In other news, the Titans have waived Deshaun Kaiser, which would indicate that they are ready to reactivate Logan Woodside from the COVID list, and they also placed Monty Rice on injured reserve. Rice went down during Sunday's game, was very quickly ruled out, not questionable to return, just ruled out for the rest of the game, and then had an Instagram post on Monday that referenced Kobe Bryant and coming back strong, which makes it sound like this might be a serious injury. Yeah, I mean, I thought it didn't look great on the field when it happened. Uh, He only played 19 snaps in Sunday's loss. It happened rather early in the game. Uh, He looked to be in a considerable amount of pain. And as you said, he was quickly ruled out. Then you got the Instagram post that uh, sort of indicated that it was a serious injury suffered. Now he's been placed on injured reserve. Interestingly enough, of course, 
Uh, the Titans did not say that this was season ending. Uh, I even read the story on their official team website. They didn't give any indication of the timeline. Uh, we know, obviously, he has to miss a minimum of three games based on the new injured reserve rules. But I do agree with you that I get the feeling that this is longer than that and, and potentially even season ending. Now, uh, don't look now because thankfully the Titans do not have a football game this weekend. I don't know that I've ever said that before, by the way, but thankfully they do <laughs> not have a football game this weekend. Um, but they only currently have three healthy inside linebackers, and that is Jayon Brown, Dylan Cole, and Nick DeZubnar. Now, two of those guys you hope never see the field uh, in Cole and DeZubnar. Now, Cole has been seeing the field quite a bit recently, dropped what looked like a shorthanded interception on Sunday uh, against New England. Not only an interception, but I think that thing had the potential to be a pick six. He had a lot of green in front of him and no offensive players. Uh, that was a big opportunity miss, and we'll, we'll get into that. But Three healthy inside linebackers, as I said. Two of them you hope never see the field. What, what Monty Rice placement on IR does is really put a sort of a ticking time bomb, right, on the return of uh, David Long and even Rashawn Evans. They need both of these guys for week 14 against Jacksonville. And, and fortunately, I'm going to say that they both probably will be back for that game. But boy, do they need them to be. I would agree. We never saw David Long go on injured reserve, but he's been out for more than three games now. So you have to think that they even, are just even Evans, right? I mean, I think Evans, Evans, Evans has, been, has been, out been out even longer. Forever. And he, and I don't he even remember the last time. When was the last time he played? Like Jacksonville week four or something? It's been a long time. That, that's I don't know about that accurate. long, but I would that say might be it's been about but... five weeks, maybe. Yeah, it's been a while. So hopefully one or both of these guys can be back for the next game. Another guy the Titans put on injured reserve. This happened last week, last Friday, but we never got to talk about it. A.J. Brown, we knew he was hurt. We knew he was probably going to miss the New England game. Turns out he's going to miss two more games because the bye week does not count for the injured reserve three-game rule. So he will miss at least the next two games. Could return week 16, but that's up in the air, obviously. Titans could sure use him. I think that'll do it for the news. Let's talk about this game against New England. I think the final score was a bit misleading. Patriots ended up routing the Titans 36-13. to But with 549 to play in the third quarter, it was 19-13. to And then it just went off the rails from there. The Titans had no trouble moving the ball. They piled up. A lot of yards on offense. The Patriots' defense was content to let them just run for chunks. The Titans had 270 team rushing yards in this game and lost by 23 points. I've never heard of a game like this, let alone watched it myself. 200-yard running backs. I mean, outside of not getting in the freaking end zone, the offense was pretty good. Obviously, that's a huge component. But overall, and this goes back to last week, after the offense struggled immensely without Derrick Henry in the games against the Rams and the Saints, we saw the offense move the ball pretty effectively each of the last two games. However, they have not been able to score. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, first of all, I think you hit the nail on the head by saying uh, that the score is a little misleading. I don't think this game was ever really out of reach until, you know, effectively the final few minutes. Certainly when Tennessee... Uh, when they failed to convert the fourth down when they were uh, trailing 29-13. That's kind of when it felt over uh, to me. But you hit the nail on the head. I mean, how, first of all, how ironic is it that their season high 
uh, rushing performance comes without Derrick Henry, 270 rushing yards, uh, you know, two 100 yard rushers, as you said, in Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman. Um, sort of, again, very ironic, right? That this occurs without Henry, especially given how bad the rushing offense has been without Henry, right? It was terrible against LA. It was really bad against New Orleans, was not very good against Houston either. And then, yeah, it was, it was okay. Uh, and then it was really good here, I mean, uh, effectively. But like Mike Vrabel said after the game, and I, and I thought it was a good answer. I kind of like that he wasn't willing to take the participation trophy, if you will, where he said uh, they don't award points for stats, right? I mean, they put the ball, they put the ball on the field, what, t- at least twice, obviously with two crucial fumbles, Three, I think three times, right? Blossing game, I think, fumbled late as well. That right? one was irrelevant. The game was yeah. well over 28 seconds left, and it was already 36 to 13 when Blossing game fumbled. But the fact of the matter is, they did have three fumbles and the goal line end zone, fourth and two, fourth and two, fourth and goal from the two interception that Tannehill threw. So four turnovers again in this game, five last week. You can't win football games turning it over nine times in two weeks when you force. Did they even force a turnover? They haven't forced a turnover in the last two weeks. No. So their yeah. turnover margin over the last two weeks is minus nine. Yeah. It's unbelievably insane. Like that. So this is where I want to really get into, like we can break down this game, Tannehill 11 of 21 for 93 yards. And I mean, not a statistically good game. And obviously we know the weapons he's working with and Nick Westbrook, Akine had two catches for 25 yards and that touchdown that was horribly officiated that Mike Vrabel had to challenge. I mean, your leading receiver has 25 yards. Cody Hollister played, what, over 50 snaps in his first game called up from Let's the practice squad? Yeah, I, think, I think it was 47 officially. But, you know, I think the haunting thing here is they enter this game with four receivers only. And those four are Nick Westbrook, as you said, Cody Hollister, Des Fitzpatrick, and Chester Rogers. I mean, Cody Hollister is a guy that they brought in merely because, A, they need bodies and be a, a body that knows the playbook. Obviously he was there in 2019. He was there a little bit in 2020 and he actually started 2021 on the roster back in July and August in training camp. But the fact that they re-add Hollister, first, first of all, let's take it back to August when Hollister was on the team. We knew this, this is how dire the situation is. We knew that, uh, you know, there was a lot of competition at receiver and we knew Hollister didn't stand a chance at making the final roster. And that was when they had 13, 14 bodies in the room and we were picking seven guys to make the team. You know, unfortunately he got injured and he didn't even have a chance to, to make the team, but I think it's fair to assume he was not going to make the final roster. Now you fast forward to the end of November, you have to bring him back. Not only do you bring him back onto the practice squad just a few days before this game, but he is immediately thrusted into the starting lineup in a role on the outside opposite Westbrook. Why? Because Des Fitzpatrick was so bad uh, against Houston a week ago with running wrong routes and struggling with physicality and, and fighting through the those things in coverage, you know, was kind of at fault for a couple of those Ryan Tannehill interceptions that we saw a week ago in Houston. So you bring in uh, Hollister, he replaces Fitzpatrick in the starting lineup. And the craziest thing maybe about this is that it was probably the right decision to make, right? It's not like they made an insane. I mean, Hollister probably should have been out there, right? Over Fitzpatrick. It just goes to show you how dire the situation is and how bad these injuries have ramped up. I mean, we obviously Julio Jones and AJ Brown, hell, they sure could use Josh Reynolds right now. Not that I'm going to fault John Robinson for that because Reynolds reportedly uh, requested his release, but then you get the Marcus on Marcus Johnson injury as well. And this is just an insane situation. I mean, we've seen some ugly skill position groups here in Tennessee throughout our years, especially when you go back to those two and three win teams, how bad they were at receiver. I don't know that they've ever entered a game with a less impressive group of receivers than they did this Sunday against New England. 
And when you have guys like that, when those are your top four receivers and your only four receivers, you expect your other pass catchers to step up and do something. And those guys would be, number one, Anthony Ferkser. Where where are you, buddy? Anthony Ferkser, Michael Pruitt, even the, the running backs, Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman, I expected to get in the game. The guys I just named had one catch each. Jeff Swaim also one catch. They, those Pruitt guys had right one, one catch. Yeah, those guys had one target each, with the exception of Hilliard and Pruitt, who had two targets each. I mean— they weren't throwing the ball, not just to these guys. They weren't throwing the ball, and they didn't need to. They ran the ball 39 times compared to 21 pass attempts in this game. That includes five Tannehill runs. But the running game was so effective, they didn't need to throw the ball. The problem was Dontrell Hilliard fumbled, Deontay Foreman fumbled, and then when they had four tries from the New England five-yard line, they should have run it on all four of those tries, the way the run game was working. They ran it on first and goal from the five. They ran it on third and goal from the four. They gained three total yards on those two plays. On fourth and goal from the two, I was really hoping to see that read option that has been so effective, especially from that distance. On second and goal from the four, keep pounding it in to the end zone. If you're not going to keep pounding it, then do what you did the first time you got this close to the end zone and run a very designed screen type play. The Titans don't have, they can't just drop back and send these receivers on routes against one of the best defenses in the league in the Patriots when you're in the condensed field from the two-yard line and expect somebody to go win a matchup? Like, you don't have the playmakers on the field to do that. So either run a designed play for somebody, like a quick screen or a quick hitting thing, or one of those, like, fake this way, come back this way, or run the read option or just pound the ball up the middle. But whatever. I'm not going to lament the play calling too much here. There's been a lot of that on Twitter, and I don't really think it was that bad. Again, it all comes back to... Don't turn the ball over four times. Convert these chances. Every time they got something going, they would turn the ball over. So, uh, uh, firstly, uh, the series down near the goal line with the with the eventually was the incompletion. I'm sorry, the interception that Ryan Tannehill threw on fourth down. Um, seeing a lot of criticism of the play calling, Todd Downing, and, and I understand some of that. But what I will say is, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, run it all four times, run it all four times." I can promise you, if they ran it four times in a row and failed to get in the end zone, people would be criticizing the decision to run it four times in a row. Right? That that, that goes without saying. What I would have liked to have seen personally is, uh, I really did not like the second down play call, the passing attempt to my, uh, Michael Pruitt. I think I would have ran it three times: run it on first, run it on second, run it on third, based on how well you were running the football in that game now if you if you didn't get in you ran it three times and you didn't get in I agree with the decision to pass on fourth down you just tried it three times you didn't get in you maybe you got to switch it up and pass the football but I absolutely hated the play the passing play call on fourth down you said you're taking away half the field there I don't like that play call on anywhere anywhere in the field I especially hate it in the red zone down there within the five yard line rolling to the right I feel like it never freaking works and I hated to see it on fourth down at such an important instance of the game. You talked about it, you're right. Your traditional drop back passing game, things are condensed there in, in the red area. You're going against a secondary that has guys like JC Jackson, who's one of the best young corners in all of football. Kyle Duggar, who's a supreme young, uh, talented playmaker. Veteran guys like Devin McCourty. Good linebackers, Kyle Van Noy, uh, and so good on. Good linebackers who can drop into coverage, especially right. in the tight yeah. area like that. Absolutely. So, so you're right. You're up against the wall, especially when you got those playmakers. That's why I didn't like the decision to pass it twice. So I, again, I would have liked to have seen them run three runs. And then if you are go, if you are on fourth down, you didn't get it in. You got to run a passing play. You certainly got to come up with something better than the rollout that we saw there on fourth down that resulted in the interception. It was, it was, it was a bad play call and it, it was rightfully picked off. Um, 
What do you think about Tannehill throwing that ball in there? This is a bit of a philosophical question. It's fourth down. Fourth down. Obviously, you got to throw it. Yeah. But you throw it away, the other team takes over at the two-yard line. You throw an interception in the end zone, they get it at the 20. We've seen how good the Titans defense is when the other team has the ball inside their own two-yard line. No, I'm I'm, I'm starkly, I'm like dead fastly, steadfastly against that. Like, just no way. If if he throws it away, you and I are sitting here right now going, what the fuck is he doing? Throwing the ball. You're down 29-13, right? It's not like it was a three. You're down, you got to score, right? You have to score. But yeah. 26-13, sorry. You need seven points there, right? Three points wasn't going to help you. I agreed with the decision to go for it. Remember, wasn't there a game last season? I can't believe I even remember this. There was a game last season. Who was it where a, a, an opposing quarterback, was it? did the Titans play the Raiders last year or it was two years ago? Derek, I feel like Carr, it was always, Derek Carr always throws the ball away on fourth down. He's a loser. Threw it away on fourth down, and we sat there and laughed our asses. Oh, what? No, you never throw it away. I know. I'm, I'm sort down. of making a joke, but like, <laughs> The, the outcome would have been better for the Titans if he had just thrown it away. <laughs> it would have been. But firstly, I mean, you can never forecast that that's going to be an interception there. Like, if he threw it dead into the arms of a New England Patriot defender and there's no Titan receiver in the area, then I would, I still wouldn't get it, but I would get it in a sense. But I mean, Cody Hollister, I think it was Hollister that was targeted on that fourth down play. He had a somewhat of a chance to come down with that ball, right? It would have been a tough McCourty catch. Twip, McCourty tipped it into tipped JC. It. Yeah, if McCourty doesn't yeah. tip it, Hollister might come down with that ball. So it, it was the right throw and right attempt to make given the situation, but I can't stress you have enough to try, how much I hate you the play have call. To tr- you have to try something to get in the end zone there. So I don't want it like this isn't one of those Tannehill awful interceptions we've seen over the last no. few weeks. This was like you got to just and, throw the ball. I'm sorry. I want to make two quick points about the fumbles because you got to talk about them a little and yeah. I didn't. You want to talk about backbreakers. I mean, my God. I mean, you, you got to factor in uh, game flow and the game script and situation here. Hilliard's fumble came shortly after the two-minute warning as the Titans offense was driving into New England territory while down 13-7. That was a monumental blow. Yes, he made up for it slightly with the 68-yard touchdown run that cut the score down to 16-13 because I do believe when New England took over that fumble, they did go down there and get three points, a costly three points because it made it a a two-possession ball game, right? It went from 13-7 to 16-7. Yes, he ends up getting the six. had the missed field goal, which further exasperated And a missed extra point. Yeah. And a missed extra point. So, so yes, he gets a 68 uh, yard touchdown run, cuts the score to 16 13. Yeah, it kind of felt like making up for it in a sense. But I bet Mike Vrabel's a hard ass enough where he would tell you that never is going to make up for putting the football on the ground and turning it over like they did. And, and I kind of feel the same way. It was a it was a ghastly turnover when they were down 13 7, driving into New England territory. Then you get into Foreman's fumble. Again, it was a backbreaker a 30, at the conclusion of a 34-yard run in the third quarter. And that, I mean, talk about the ball security. I thought yeah. it was awful. I mean, he's holding that in thing a lot like a of loaf ways, of bread. I got no I mean, yeah. I, I, I bring a loaf of bread home from the grocery store with more care and concern than, than the way he was corralling <laughs> that football. I mean, it was, it was awful. In a lot of ways, that is an inexcusable fumble because your teammate has already fumbled. You know you're playing against a defense that is extremely aggressive, that is going to be punching at the ball Darius Leonard style constantly. Like, And, and you know that there are guys co- closing in on you after your teammate already fumbled in a and game I'm that sorry. you're losing when you haven't been able, able to do anything on offense. And I'm sorry wise. to say it. I'm sorry to say it. And I, I want you to be honest. And you, you tell me if you think I'm overreacting or not. But look, both of those guys had great days. I get it. They did. But that is the difference between 
not the only difference, but it is a difference between a Derrick Henry and a fringe NFL player like a Hilliard and Foreman. Yes, they had great days, but there are reasons that both of those players were on the streets just a couple of weeks ago. And stuff like that, turning the ball over at the conclusion of big runs, big plays, when your team needs it most, that is the difference between a great player and a fringe NFL roster player. Yes, Hillier and Foreman, of course, are NFL-level athletes. There is a reason they're at this level. And they, and they had you know, good games on Sunday with what they did. But there's a, there are always reasons guys are free agents in the month of September, in October, in November, and things like that. They are not freak accidents. I'm sorry to tell you, they are not freak occurrences. There are things that separate these guys, the goods from the greats, and, and that's one of them. Well, that is a great way to segue into the talking point that I really wanted to make our main topic here today, which is going forward, what's wrong with the Titans? Can they get back on track without needing to just wait for all the guys they have on injured reserve to come back? So first of all, let's talk about some of those guys. So that list, at least for week 14, you got Julio Jones and Dane Crookshank. I don't know if we'll see either one of them reactivated. Like, I could see Julio just being held out till the playoffs or right before. Um, Then the following week, week 15, Bud Dupree could come back. Then after that, week 16, you could have A.J. Brown and Chris Jackson back. And then you're basically into the playoffs from there. You also have a bunch of guys who are who have been out who are not on IR that could return. Jeremy McNichols and Nate Davis have been dealing with concussions for a while. Greg Mabin has been like limited in practice, questionable, and then ruled out every weekend for like the last three weeks. David Long, Rashawn Evans, we talked about earlier. And then you got Ola Adani and Tier Tart on the defensive line that could come back. So a, a fairly long list of names. Obviously, we know how the Titans are dealing with all these injuries, but... My question here is not just like, will these guys coming back solve the offensive problems? Because I think that we know it will. The question is, can they solve the offensive problems without getting these guys back? Nine turnovers in the last two games. Are those turnovers just bad plays, bad luck, not focused, a great defensive effort here and there, like mixed in? Or are these turnovers happening because you're surrounding Ryan Tannehill and the offensive line starting group with nothing but practice squad players. I mean, nothing but practice squad players. And <laughs> look, Anthony Ferkser, who once upon a time was just a practice squad player. Anthony Ferkser doesn't even look like an NFL caliber tight end right now, truth be told. I don't know if he's dealing with something of his own, but that's uh, you're, yeah. you're not going to mention him as uh, a player that's elevating this group right now. But no way. you know when you ask me these questions, Um, in terms of, you know, when there's wide ranging implications and lots of moving pieces, I tend to give you the same answer every single time. And I'm going to do it again because I stick by it. It's probably a combination of everything. Does Ryan Tannehill have to play better? Yes, he does. Can he make some better throws, some better reads? Some of those interceptions, the first one uh, against Houston, that was a backbreaker when he targeted A.J. Brown. He didn't see the linebacker. That's a a terrible throw. That was a backbreaker. That was not a result of, of playing with, of uh, lesser talented players, right? That, that's an interception that's on Ryan Tannehill. So can Ryan Tannehill do some things better? Yes, he can. Um, is it a coincidence that the turnovers have picked up since they have, have had no NFL caliber players at these uh, the skill positions? No, it's not a coincidence, right? That is definitely a result of guys that can't beat man coverage, 
um, that guys that are running at times wrong routes, uh, miscommunication between themselves and the quarterback, and, and you're down a couple scores, and Ryan Tannehill has to start forcing the ball in there and try to make plays. So again, to me, the answer lies somewhere in the middle. It's a combination of everything. Can Ryan Tannehill be better? Yes. Do they need their playmakers back? Yes. Can they still take better care of the football than they have? Yes. I don't think there's ever an excuse. I don't care if they're playing with you and me at running back. Uh, I don't <laughs> think there's ever an excuse for turning the ball over nine times in two weeks. So that has to be better regardless of who they get back in week 14. But the truth lies somewhere in the middle. New England's defense has been great at forcing turnovers all year. Whether or not you think that's a fluky thing, a sustainable thing, is irrelevant. They've been doing it all season. Houston, when they forced five turnovers against the Titans, they haven't been good at all this year on defense. But they had forced four turnovers the previous week, and those were their only two games coming off a bye. Um, then Houston turns around and loses to the New York Jets last week, so I really don't even feel like Yeah, good we're not going to give them any credit for anything. Trying to play that off or No, that's just that was away. the Titans being terrible. Yeah, it's just two games in a row where basically everything that could go wrong did go wrong in terms of bad breaks, bad bounces. I mean, even when you fumble the ball, just because you fumble the ball doesn't mean it has to be a turnover. But the Titans haven't even been able to jump. I guess they jumped on one Tannehill fumble against Houston late in the game when it was basically over already. Ben Jones recovered it. Even that Foreman fumble, though, I think that was it was the Foreman one that occurred near the sideline. Like Jalen Mills did a pretty great job recovering that ball. It was. It was fortunate for New England and unfortunate for Tennessee that that he didn't, you know, kind of muff that first recovery attempt and it didn't roll out of bounds. That's what I thought was going to happen, truthfully. And then while we're on the subject of what's wrong with the team and can they overcome all these things is sometimes you're going to have turnovers and those things are going to happen. By the way, Lamar Jackson was the first quarterback in NFL history to win a game that he threw four interceptions in. That was unbelievable. There are ways to win when you throw four interceptions. It's just very, very hard. So. It's Tannehill against the Texans, <laughs> you throw four interceptions. According to NFL history, it's an automatic loss until Lamar Jackson the other night. So the other thing that's been missing, though, is just anyone making a play. Like somebody's got to step up and make you don't a play. Have any, you don't have anyone that's capable of making one. It is what it I'll is. I'll give you an example. Dontrell Hilliard stepped up and made a play. And yeah, it was great blocking and a really well-timed play call to attack the aggressive Patriots defense. But... He made a play. He got to the end zone, 60-something yard touchdown. That's a huge play. That's the only play the Titans have been able to make in the last two weeks. And you talked about the dropped pick six by Dylan Cole. Like, in in these games against the Rams and the Saints, Titans offense struggled. They couldn't move the ball. At least in the last two games, they were able to move the ball. But you know what? The defense stepped up and made huge game-changing plays. Same thing they did against the Colts the week before the Rams game. Like, they... We're able to make those plays, and the last two weeks, all of those plays have been missing. Nothing has gone the Titans' way. We mentioned they have they forced zero turnovers the last two weeks. Like they they had they barely even sacked the quarterback the last two weeks. Like they had one sack yeah. on Sunday against Mac Jones, and granted, two Pat's I offensive think it, line. Two, I think it oh, was. Oh, they did get two. You're right. Kevin Byard had one, and Naquan That's Jones right. split one with Derek Roberson. But you know. Don't get me. I'm not letting the defense off the hook for not creating, you know, not creating turnovers in back-to-back weeks is a problem. Um, and there are a lot of things going wrong, right? Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry didn't record a single pressure on Mac Jones, right? I mean, that's right. not something that's happened very frequently this year. That's actually probably the first time that's happened uh, all year long where those they guys were leading the NFL pressure. in pressures over the right. eight weeks the, leading to this game. So, right. So, 
But again, you know, going back to those games, the Elijah Molden interception against Carson Wentz, where, I mean, Wentz really just threw a, I don't, I don't, we still don't know what he was doing there. The Kevin Byer interceptions against the Rams and the Colts. Sometimes those are volatile things to rely on. Right. And, and when course. that, when that luck runs out, uh, you, and, and it kind of, you get the situation that you're now in with missing all your playmakers, it snowballs into what we're currently seeing. And I, I say all that to say that I think it definitely gets better. It cannot get worse. It can stay this bad, but this is as right. bad as it gets. I mean, 13 points in back-to-back weeks. I mean, you don't win a lot of games only scoring 13 points. And I really do feel like even in this game where they gave up 36, the defense did everything they could to keep giving the offense a chance. The only thing they didn't do was score themselves, get an interception and return it for a touchdown, get a strip sack. All the pressure they've had this year has been amazing, but they haven't gotten hardly any strips. The only strip sack I can think of was against the Chiefs. Like... They need to do yeah. a better job forcing turnovers when they get pressure. And I don't know. It's just a, a whole snowball of shit right now. Can I bring up one final topic? And it's not one that I want to spend a lot of time on, but I think we've probably covered that game in uh, in acceptable fashion. Week 14, Jacksonville. You mentioned Julio Jones is eligible to come off injured reserve. Obviously not a guarantee that he will. But keep in mind that he's had four weeks now, right? Because they put him on injured reserve before this bye week. So he'll have missed his three games and he will have had an extra week with the bye. Four weeks to recover from the hamstring injury that he can't seem to get over. Look, don't get me wrong. I understand the argument that you need him for the playoffs. You want to keep him healthy, fresh, yada, yada. But if you are entering this game against Jacksonville thinking that this is a gimme, they don't need to bring Julio Jones back. I mean, what are you smoking? You know what I mean? I mean, they've just got blown out in New England. They scored 13 points in back-to-back weeks. They lost to the freaking Houston Texans. If you're losing to the Houston Texans, you're turning over the ball the way you're turning over. You have absolutely no playmakers on offense. There are no such things as, as a gimme game, right? There's no such thing as a gimme game in this league right now for this team based on the roster that they currently have. So if you are just holding Julio Jones out of this game because you don't think you need him, you are making a dire and grave error. I don't care who you're playing against. You just played against the Houston Texans and you needed Julio Jones out there. So if Julio is capable of coming back, I know we've been saying that all freaking year long, essentially. If Julio (laughs) Jones is even capable of giving you 25 snaps. Yeah, just play him in the red zone. His 32-year-old ass needs to be out there. (laughs) Just play him in the red zone because... The teams move the ball to the red zone very well the last two games, but they have not converted in the red zone. Why? They don't have any freaking playmakers to convert in the red zone. They don't have Derrick Henry to run over people, and they don't have anyone who can get open. So I, am, I totally agree. I am, yes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Split him out wide by himself and throw four fades to him in a row. And if you don't score, then then it's the screw it. Then it's it all is what anyway. it is. I'm not losing my cool here. I do understand the argument that you need him for the playoffs. But he has had four weeks. They put him on. You have been, you have had an abundance of caution, right? With the situation. He unlikely needed four weeks. You gave him four weeks. He needs to be out there for Jacksonville. I mean, it is what you don't have any playmakers. And if you don't have him, you are again not going to have any because AJ Brown's not coming back for that game. Derrick Henry's not coming back for that game. Heck, even Marcus Johnson is not coming back for that game. So if Julio Jones can be out there, heck, for 25, 30 snaps. You cannot approach this game and say he can be out there, but we're going to continue being cautious with him. No, if he can be out there, he needs to be out there. And the Titans schedule over these last five games once looked like five gimmies. (laughs) 
When you lose to Houston, you take the word gimme off the table, but also the Dolphins, the Niners, suddenly look like potential playoff teams again. The Niners are playing excellent football. The Dolphins the don't Niners, really scare me all that much. Yeah, but deep, they're playing really the, well the, defensively. We the saw defense is playing really well. And then and Cam Newton was 5 of 21. On and the Titans I might not have any of their offensive playmakers back by week 18. Like, if they, if they save them for the playoffs, then in week 18, or week 17, sorry, they play Miami week 17 then they wouldn't have those playmakers week 17. So, like, that's not going to be a super easy game either. The Titans win against Jacksonville. They're in great position to to take the division. But they got to win. I would say they have to win four of five in order to be in the running for the one seed after losing to New England. Baltimore continues to play awful football and yet squeak out wins. They've done it four games this year where they did not deserve to win, and yet they came out with the win anyway. Like I said, Lamar Jackson, first quarterback ever to win a game after throwing four interceptions. Um, Baltimore sits atop the AFC now at 8-3. and three. New England, we mentioned on our last couple podcasts how we were getting scared of them as a potential dark horse for the one seed. Well, now they sit tied with the Titans for 8-4, and four and the two seed because they obviously hold the tiebreaker over the Titans. And I mentioned the Chiefs as being a team that I thought could potentially sneak their way up there and if they could possibly run the table or only lose one game over the finals, their final six. Well, Kansas City now 7-4, and four, only a half game back of the Titans in the four seed, only a half game back of the Patriots, and only one game back of the Ravens. The Chiefs are t- fully in the mix for the one seed. The Bengals and the Bills also 7-4. and four. There are a lot of teams up here, depending on how these last five weeks go, I mean, this thing could totally reshuffle itself. The Titans do have the easiest remaining schedule of these teams. I think the Steelers game is extremely winnable. The, the defense could win that game, possibly by themselves, the way Big Ben Roethlisberger is playing right now. He looks like he needs to retire a year ago. And the Jaguars and the Texans. Obviously, they lost the Texans once, but don't turn it over five times and maybe you can beat them. <laughs> They got to beat the Jaguars, who just continue to look awful and outcoached in every game that they play this year. They get those three wins. They can lose to the Niners and Dolphins and be firmly in the playoffs. But you beat the Niners or the Dolphins along with those other three wins. Finish 12 and 5. Now you're talking about a possible one seed. That's going to be a really tough win. I wonder if that win would be better served against the Dolphins, being that there may be some tiebreakers in place with conference records and whatnot. So. If you lose to the Niners, that's absolutely, probably doesn't even hurt you. Win the other four games, and you probably got the one seed. Remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about how much cushion they had in the one seed, and it was almost impossible to foresee them giving it up? Yeah, I know we eventually uh, came around on New England and talked about how dangerous that game was. Uh, But it's a bit of a shame, right, that we're in this situation now and things have have shuffled the way that they have because it doesn't feel like that long ago that they had such a large, uh, 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 such a large lead on the one seed. And what's what's interesting about this whole situation is when you look at who the Patriots have to play the rest of the way, they have the Bills twice, they have the Colts, they have the Jaguars and the Dolphins. The Dolphins could definitely give them a game the way their defense has been playing lately, and that's week 18, so who knows? Anything weird weird things can happen week 18. The Bills, though, now you're like, do we even want the Bills to beat the Patriots? Well, obviously, we need the Patriots to lose games, so you do, but then you're going to be battling with the Bills. The Titans have the tiebreaker over the Bills, but if they're in like a three-way tie or a four-way tie, 
the head-to-head tiebreaker is thrown out the window completely, and it's all about conference record. So then it comes down to who wins these games against the other AFC teams. Then you got the Colts in the mix. You'd like the Colts to beat the Patriots so that the Titans can get the one seed. But if the Titans lose four of their next five games and the Colts beat the Patriots, Titans ain't even going to win the South. I don't think they're going to lose four of their next five games. But it's like there's a lot of complications. Everything has like everything creates ripple effects for these standings here, the way the schedule looks. And we talked about the Ravens. They still have a really tough schedule the rest of the way, too. They got the Steelers this week, which is not, as we just mentioned, a tough game. But then they got the Browns, who they only beat by six points with Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions. Then they got the Packers, who are playing some of the best football in the NFL right now. Then they got the Bengals, who just dominated. Who did they dominate? The Steelers, who just dominated the Steelers. Of course, the Steelers suck. But the Bengals look good at times. Then they got the Rams, who are trying to figure out their own thing right now, but still a very good team when, they, when they're playing at their highest level. So that's four pretty tough games the Ravens have to play. They have the Steelers twice in there. So even if you think the Steelers are a winnable game, it's tough to beat someone twice. It's a division game. So there is a tough road ahead for the Ravens, the Patriots. Of course, I just mentioned Bills, Colts, Bills over the next three weeks. That won't be very... Over the next three games, they have a buy-in there too. That won't be easy for them. Titans, the road is there. Can they get in the end zone, stop turning the ball over, and and start getting some of those splash plays back on defense? I think against a team like Jacksonville, they should be able to. Jacksonville's not good, but I said that going into the Houston game, and we saw what happened. Hopefully this Titans team has had a nice dose of humble pie over the last two weeks. Hopefully they get healthy over the bye week and come back out for the stretch run weeks 14 through 18, ready to go all the way because that's what it's going to take. A lot of times you hear that the football season doesn't start for real until after Thanksgiving. I think the Titans are looking at the football season doesn't start for real until after their bye just because of where it's been placed in the schedule. So that week 13 bye being so late. But everything after this matters a lot. I agree. I, I don't I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Truthfully, it starts with week 14 against Jacksonville. They need a win and they need as many healthy bodies out there as they can get. And they need their playmakers out there. Whoever can play that's healthy, they're going to need them out there. All right. Well, that will do it then for us. We, we recapped the Patriots game. We talked you through the bye week and what's wrong with the Titans. And we hope that they can get it together. We'll be back next week to preview this Jaguars game. That's all I got. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. I don't have any new shout outs to give this week. I'd love to give somebody out there, a loyal listener, a shout out. And the way you can get one is head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Shout us out in the review section. We'll shout you out here on the podcast. Kind of a uh, a little, uh, a little uh, what do you call that? Quid pro quo? Is that a... Is that the right? I don't know what I'm saying. All right. That'll do it. You guys stay safe until next week and tighten up. A Broadway sports media production.